podcast ain't played nobody your college football marriage of numbers and words i am bill Connolly once again uh and once again i'm alone on a sunday i uh stephen godfrey is still on uh on on double secret whatever 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 uh i, I believe this will be ending soon but uh i'm not real sure where, where we stand for the midweek uh show uh whether he's here or not i've got a pretty fun guest i believe lined up for the midweek show we'll see about that uh in a couple of days, but right now I didn't figure I needed once again, I didn't figure I needed a co-host for this one because this is your 30 minutes or less uh, recap of the weekend. There's a lot to recap. Uh, a couple things happened uh, worth, you know, w- worth some discussion. And uh, really, I'm just excited to talk about anything other than coaching changes. Today was one of the today being Sunday was one of the dumbest days I can remember from the perspective of athletic director Hubris from, uh, you know, misjudging a fan base. Uh, I guess that's a, that's one way you could put it, uh, depending on what happens here from here on out with the Greg Schiano to Tennessee rumors. Todd Graham was fired after, after, you know, rallying to seven and five. Kevin Sumlin was fired after going seven and five. It was a really weird day. Um, and, and a lot of money was spent on buyouts for coaches who, you know, you could have saved some money and given them a chance. They might've done pretty well next year, but regardless, that's more of a, we'll say that's more of a midweek topic right now. Uh, we are, going to react to everything we just saw. And we saw, um, well, among other things, we saw the number one and number two teams in the playoff rankings go down on uh, over the weekend. And um, I, it's uh, we're going to start, this. The, the purpose of this show is to be different than everybody else and, and run down the S&P Plus rankings. I think that's very useful. We're going to do it here in a minute. But first, I did want to start with the playoff rankings since we're, you know, a week away from knowing everything we need to know about the playoff pairings and, and all the postseason matchups. Uh, that, that clearly is what matters the most right about now. Uh, and, and so I wanted to walk through exactly what happened this weekend and how it affects the playoff rankings. Really, I mean, it's not hard to figure out. Not all that hard hard to figure out at least uh it's two things you know we uh, of the top what uh top 10 we'll say top 12 we'll include usc and tcu notre dame got eliminated they were number eight they got eliminated by losing to stanford uh where they went from being ahead to down by like 49 points or whatever in about a minute and a half uh give or take but really, the biggest two things were number one, Alabama, and number two, Miami losing. Uh, how far they fall? Like the entire weekend, we're like, well, you know, Miami's dead. No, actually, Miami's just fine. If they beat Clemson, they're great. Uh, my, Alabama's dead, but actually, they're probably okay. But really, if you look at their resume, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we don't completely know how that committee is going to handle in either one of these things, either one of the these teams, uh, and what you know, how far they fall is going to determine a lot. I think we can safely say that. When the new rankings come out uh, on on uh, in the mid uh, middle of the week, Clemson's going to be number one. Uh, Oklahoma's probably going to be number two. Wisconsin's probably going to be number three. Maybe maybe Wisconsin gets a boost there, but I doubt it. Uh, you know, if they, if they're probably not going to get a boost for beating Minnesota if they beat Ohio State next week, I, I, my guess is they end up maybe eking ahead of uh, of Oklahoma there. But regardless, um, they're two three. Uh, Clemson's number one, and then really we're going to learn everything we need to know based on who number four is. It's either going to be Auburn or Alabama or Miami. I don't think it's going to be Miami. 
Uh, so is it going to be Alabama or is it going to be the team that 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 just beat Alabama uh, in Auburn? I'm guessing it's Auburn. Knowing what we've seen from the the playoff committee over the last few years and how they kind of use the head-to-head as like a last-second tiebreaker if two teams are next to each other, we've seen that at least a little bit. Um, Obviously, the Penn State-Ohio State thing last year being a little different. We've seen many instances of them in the week-to-week rankings uh, bumping one team ahead of another after a win or or something of that nature. So my guess is that Auburn's four and Alabama's five. At that point – are we talking about Miami being number six and Georgia being number seven? Does Miami fall below Georgia? Georgia, Lord knows Georgia has a pretty respectable loss. Uh, obviously, their Notre Dame win took a little bit of a hit. But regardless, they uh, have a better loss than Miami does. And uh, my guess then is that maybe they move up there and Miami falls behind them. But that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, we're, not that we get to count votes or anything like that. But, I'm, uh, you know, Ohio State technically maybe has a shot of moving ahead of Miami, though. I I doubt it. Uh, but regardless, that's going to all kind of set the table of, you know, if Georgia is ahead of, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, if Georgia and Auburn are both ahead of Miami, then you really, I, I, I would, I, it's going to be that, that path to recovery is, it gets a lot trickier for Miami. Now, um, especially if like Ohio State beats Wisconsin and then jumps right maybe above them or next to them or whatever. It's going to get really messy uh, in a week, but I guess we basically know what to expect when it comes to this week's rankings. Uh, we also, you know, I'm just curious now to see who jumps ahead of UCF for the number 14 spot since um, Washington State and Mississippi State lost, and we both, and we know that UCF is not legally allowed to be above 15th. So, you know, the congratulations to Michigan State and Washington, I guess, for jumping them. Maybe LSU too. Maybe UCF falls to 16th uh, after that thriller against USF. This is a complete and total joke. I I will continue to call it a joke. They have not been the 15th best team in the country. They have been better. Um, They are undefeated. This is a year where there has not been a single dominant team. Uh, You know, the few teams that have played... have truly played well from week to week. Haven't ever had a true like just uh, you know off week. Penn State is one of them, and they're not uh, you know competing for the title here. Wisconsin's one, uh, and UCF's probably a third. That might be at Auburn. I guess you can could include Auburn in that mix too. But UCF has been steady and awesome. They've won one. I think uh, not, what eight of their eleven games by at least twenty five points. They have done everything they possibly can with the schedule at hand, and they're just going to continue to get punished by the schedule at hand. Just like we punish you know the Illinois states and the mid-majors of the world in basketball every single year no matter how many times a mid-major makes a final four or elite eight or sweet 16 we continue we circle back the next year forget all of that and punish them again for not scheduling games that they didn't have the option of scheduling uh it is a big joke and and honestly like uh, sarcastically uh late last week I drew up what a a new subdivision of g5 teams in the top fcs conferences would look like uh that that was how I did my that, that was my spiteful move but Anyway, um, I am very curious about Alabama-Auburn. I guess Auburn probably jumps to fourth, uh, and I don't know what happens to Alabama when all these other things are going on, the jostling between Auburn and Georgia and Ohio State and Wisconsin, uh, maybe Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma and TCU. Um, Really going to be interesting next week. So with that said, let's move on to the – let's count down the top. uh, Let's see. Let's count down from S&P Plus. Let's go from – let's do 25 since I've already talked for a little bit here. Uh, 
Number 25 in your S&P Plus rankings this week, Arkansas State. Uh, the, Sun, the, the Red Wol- Red Wolves went to, I think that game was in Monroe, if I remember correctly, uh, and <laughs> engaged in one hell of a shootout. We know from a couple of weeks ago, ULM does have a good offense. They also have no semblance of a defense, uh, and the Red Wolves ended up eking out a 67-50 to 50 win. Um, Arkansas State, you know, I, and I've said this, we'll, we'll encounter a few mid-majors in this little countdown i've said this a few times now but arkansas state i think benefits there's some sort of connectivity this year that isn't happening uh between the mid-majors and the major conferences i think the mid-majors as a whole are a few points ahead of where they should be uh so maybe arkansas state isn't 25th maybe you subtract a few points and they're only a top 40 or 50 team they've been very good this year they've turned it on like they usually do uh, in conference play and, uh, you know, power to them. It's, it's a, it's a, a system that works very well for them. Uh, number 24, Virginia tech so, uh, jumps from 33rd to 24th in the S and P plus rankings with their 10, nothing went over Virginia. I, I tried watching that game like eight different times. I, I did watch kind of the, a good portion of the fourth quarter. It was a struggle. Um, I, I, I enjoy good defense. I really do. But whew, And then Virginia kind of mentally collapsed there in the fourth quarter just long enough to make sure that they didn't have a chance to win. Number 23, Fresno State up from 26th after beating Boise State at home. Uh, Boise State, meanwhile, drops from 23rd to 29th. So they more or less just uh, switch places, and now they will go to Boise. Thanks to those damn computer rankings, uh, they will go to Boise uh, for the co- conference title game this coming week. Uh, it's the, these rematches of sorts. Who the who the heck knows what's going to happen there? But both of these teams have been very good this year. And again, Jeff Tedford has been incredible. Um, this was a bad team. It was a, it was a it seemed like it had talent last year. And they you know Fresno State's always going to have decent speed. I think it's safe to say. Uh, but the way Tedford has uh, been able to uh, you know it, there's been a series of we'll, we'll get to another. One in a second there's been a series of, of coaches who uh took over at the mid-major level after uh, failing at the major conference level and have done very 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 well uh butch davis did, has done pretty solid things at florida international you had jeff tetford at fresno state obviously lane kiffin uh at uh at fau you want to include uh charlie strong at usf there that was the, the others there was more space built in between their uh, you know their their the end of their uh, power conference um, tenures, but you, regardless, uh, USF proved itself very strong uh, there uh, still to come on this list as well. But a good year for recycled coaches, which, uh, you know, we'll see what that means in the, you know, with, with future hiring trends. Number 22 is Michigan. They fell five spots, um, which was a little bit of a surprise, but just remember that these teams are very, very much bunched together. So uh, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was somebody else if you, if you go up or down a few spots. But they, uh, man... I feel bad. I was kind of half sarcastic on Twitter during the Michigan Ohio State game yesterday that I really feel bad for John O'Corn. Like he's he in like eight different ways he's almost a a, a really strong quarterback. Uh, but the decision making it, it just it gets spotty at times. His accuracy is not what it needs to be. Uh, he's competitive. He seems like a pretty good leader. He's reasonably mobile. He's got some things going for him, but he just. Either the decision making or the inaccuracy backfires a few times a game. If they have uh, Wilton Spate or Brandon Peters in this game, honestly, maybe the moment would have been too big for Peters at this point. But 
Regardless, they'd have a, they'd have had a solid chance of beating Ohio State with just a little bit more quarterback play. I and I mean, I said then to to solely Ohio State. Ohio State lost its quarterback in the third quarter and still scored some points and won the game. But it has been tough for Michigan this year uh, with the quarterback injuries. Number twenty one, Toledo jumps back to to uh, to twenty first from twenty fifth after a, a, a nice easy win over what was in Western Michigan uh, this weekend. They will head into the they will be a hefty favorite against Akron in the MAC title game at least from an S&P perspective I think that is easily the the biggest uh the most comfortable projection a lot of these projections are super close uh Toledo Akron will not be let's see uh yeah Akron it'll be about 16 points for Toledo in that game uh they are very good Akron's been solid at times and and very much not at other times so uh maybe this is the year Toledo doesn't trip itself it tried to they tried to lose to, you know they lost to Ohio but really that served a purpose because then Ohio went into went into the tank after that loss Toledo has rebounded and now they're in good shape number 20 LSU uh they are up from 21 after beating A&M it was a nice game where they they jumped ahead they let A&M battle back a little bit and then they laid the hammer down they got a little lucky from from a turnovers perspective but it was still um going to be an lsu win most likely Number 19, LSU, basically, or excuse me, USC, basically holds steady uh, this weekend. Number 18, Louisville. Number 17, Memphis. Number 16, USF. Number 15, Florida Atlantic. Um, Louisville is rising quickly. They were in the 30s not very long ago, but they have looked brilliant. They've looked as good this year as they looked bad down the stretch last year. Memphis has been, you know, the one glitch against UCF, and it was a hell of a glitch. They got drubbed by UCF, uh, but they've been otherwise awesome. Mike Norvell has positioned himself pretty nicely for some some coaching vacancies that might be about to open or just came open. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Charlie Strong at USF. They're volatile. They're crazy as hell. I hoped that meant it would be a, a wonderful game against US, UCF where the good USF showed up. Good USF showed up, and that was maybe the best game of the year. I was really excited about that. And FIU... One and three start, and then they just absolutely roll through the through Conference USA uh, through the regular season. At least they are not the fifteenth best team in the country. Like I said, I think they're getting a boost. Number one, they're getting a boost from Wisconsin being really good, uh, but they still lost to Buffalo. They still lost to Navy. Uh, I think they're getting a little bit more of a boost from just having only played one Power Conference team, maybe, or maybe just looking so good against Conference USA that. Um, you know, maybe they're only top 30 good, but regardless, they've been awesome. And Lane Kiffin, uh, for all his Lane Kiffin-ness, has pulled off probably his best overall coaching job this year. Number 14, Notre Dame down one spot after losing to Stanford. It was a turnover-based loss to a certain degree, so they didn't really fall all that far. Uh, They got eliminated from the title race, obviously, but that's about it. Number 13, TCU uh, falls one spot um, after kind of messing around for a little bit with Baylor, but they basically stay the same. Miami falls a spot from 11th to 12th. Uh, Oklahoma State, they all fell one spot because Oklahoma State jumped three for for putting away Kansas like you're supposed to. You do get credit for that in these rankings, uh, whether it feels like you should or not. So Oklahoma State is up to 11th now. Two spots ahead of, of TCU, strangely enough. They've basically been the same team for the most part this year, except uh, OSU had the injured linemen and the bad turnovers luck against TCU. So TCU got the got the win. Number 10 is Clemson, down one spot, which is kind of funny. Um, they basically they didn't drub South Carolina quite as much as Oklahoma drubbed uh, West Virginia, so they switched places. Uh, OU is now up from 10th to 9th, so whatever. They're basically the same team. They've basically been the same team this year. Number 8, UCF. Uh, compliments to USF, but it also dropped Central Florida. They only dropped about a point or a point and a half. Uh, a lot of teams are really, really bunched together, but uh, dropping a point and a half was good enough to drop them from 3rd to 8th. 
eighth overall. Still not 15th. Still, they played like one of the 10 best teams in the country this year, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to let the committee off the hook for that. They, they should be held accountable for, you know, among other things, judging UCF because they didn't get a power conference win because they, the Georgia Tech game was uh, canceled because of Irma. Uh, you cannot, when, when you're being judged for things that you do not control, I, I start having a major, major problem with that. Uh, number seven, Auburn. They did not move up. They, I think they, they moved up from a rating standpoint. Um, but they, just as they passed UCF, they got passed by Penn state, which once again, which just, just treated Maryland badly. Uh, Penn state's ceiling this year has been in absolutely immense. They have, uh, laid the hammer down quite a few times. They start quickly, which is a very good thing to do from a numbers perspective. Uh, you know, they, they did, uh, fall back against Ohio state. They ended up losing, but we're talking about, they've lost two games by four points, uh, to top 30 teams on the road, including the a spoiler, the number one team on this list. Uh, they have had a very good season and they just needed one more break to be right there in the middle of the national title run as well. They are second in my resume uh, S&P Plus rankings, which is the, you can follow the links at, at SB Nation, obviously, but that is where I take the, take an average top ten, five team uh, and basically say you would have, uh, you could have expected this, uh, an average top five team to do this against your schedule and compares it to what you did from a scoring margin standpoint. Penn State is only behind Alabama in that regard. They have, they have handled their schedule. They just needed four points. They needed one or two more breaks. Uh, number five is Washington. This is a team Washington is basically like miniature Ohio State this year. Um, Ohio State had the one performance. Yeah, I mean they, they got dropped by Oklahoma, and that's you know not good, but it's it's kind of forgivable. Then there was the baffling experience of watching them completely get crushed by Iowa. Washington's kind of the same way. They've been tremendous. Good Washington has been as good as just about any team in the country this year. Uh, the defense has been uh, outstanding once again. We've talked about Kwiatkowski many times on this show. Uh, the offense has been mostly great. Uh, not very good against Stanford, but I mean, whatever. That's a you know that was a tough game, and they lost by eight. But losing by scoring seven points against Arizona State, I defended Todd Graham. I don't think he should have been fired, but there's still no excuse for for scoring seven points on Todd Graham's Arizona State this year. Um, I, it, it is uh, if, if not for the Iowa Ohio State game, that performance, Washington's offensive performance, might be the most baffling game of the year because otherwise, as the number state, otherwise they've been as good as last as they were last year. Uh, or very, very close to it. Number four is Georgia. Uh, up from fifth, they moved up one spot. Number three is Wisconsin. Number two is Alabama. Number one is Ohio State. So basically, Auburn, uh, or excuse me, UCF fell. Everybody else moved up a spot. Penn State hopped Auburn uh, by doing nasty things to Maryland, which again, uh, you know, in the, it doesn't feel like you should get as much credit for that as, as Auburn would for getting for, for thumping Alabama. But I mean, it is what it is. They're very, very close together. Um, what? I, I, I did on Twitter earlier today, I, I mentioned that, um, you know, when the odds came out, the, play, the, the playoff, the national title odds, I think Brett McMurphy um, shared some odds a while ago. They were basically Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma at four to one. This is title odds, not getting into the playoff, title odds. Uh, Auburn is at nine, and, nine to two. Georgia and Ohio State are seven to one. Wisconsin's 10 to one. Miami's 15 to one. And then TCU and USC are 80 to one. Um, I mentioned that 
really looking at that. I mean, I, I always, when I'm trying to figure out who I would bet on if I were to bet on somebody, and I never do bet on anybody, um, I never look at the the easy, like the top ones. There's no point in betting on like Alabama, or not, at least not to me. Um, but so, but circling down or, you know, shifting down the list a little bit, Ohio State at seven to one is obviously very good odds. If you believe even for a half second that they are the best team in the country per, you know, S and P plus and whatever else, um, Ohio state at seven to one seems like tremendous odds, but honestly, Wisconsin at 10 to one seems like very good odds. Uh, the winner of that game is going to get into the playoff. I think at this point, I, I, I understand Ohio state. It, it's still, it could still get very muddy, but the odds of them, uh, doing very well, if they do make it are pretty solid. So that seems like pretty decent money, but my eye was drawn mostly to Wisconsin and then Georgia at seven and one. And, and when I mentioned that on Twitter, I immediately got a response of, you know, they just got drubbed by Auburn. What could change? Well, that's where our eyes start to lie to us over the course of the entire season, Georgia and Auburn have basically been about the same. And if, if not Georgia being better, but, um, the one time they met Georgia seemed to get kind of overcome by the moment. Their freshman quarterback suddenly looked like a freshman. Uh, they've made a bunch of mistakes like, like Alabama did, uh, in, in the second half as, as Auburn as a really, really confident, awesome, fun Auburn got its footing. Maybe that happens again in Atlanta. Maybe the same thing plays out. Maybe Auburn's just too physically and mentally strong at this point and, and Georgia can't cope, but that's exactly the kind of thing. Like if Georgia plays well, if they say, okay, well now we know what to expect. They adjust their game plan a little bit. They run the ball a little better um, so therefore protecting from a little better the whole game could switch around it does not take much especially if carry on johnson's not playing uh so you know the, the the attitude is there is our eyes saw just a couple of weeks ago team a beat team b therefore team a is better uh, of course they're going to win again it never actually works that way boise state you know fresno state's not guaranteed to beat boise state again either um these things you know best of seven series we're used to teams going back and forth and one team wins, wins one game maybe by a blowout and then loses the next game we rarely get the opportunity in college football to have that play out too we just assume like every game is a referendum and it just doesn't work that way george is going to have a very good shot uh, against auburn this weekend and uh, if they win that <clears throat> they'll have proven that they're one of probably the two or three best teams in the country and at that point seven to one odds seems pretty damn good so um if you are the money spending type, and I use spending, uh, you know, for a reason, but if you're, if you are a better, uh, you know, to me, that Georgia, Ohio state, Wisconsin trifecta seems to present the best odds. I, I don't trust Miami at this point, although they played their two best games against probably the two best teams on the schedule. So maybe they'll pick right back up and, and destroy Clemson and change everything. Uh, but I don't trust Miami TCU. If you want to, you know, uh, taking an 80 to one flyer on a Gary Patterson team doesn't seem like too bad a deal, but you know, that's all that that's, uh, that's probably a little too much. Georgia, Ohio state and Wisconsin, I think are where the money's at right now. So since I blazed through that very, very quickly, uh, the one other thing I wanted to uh, run through was this morning I wrote a piece at SB Nation. I, I do the teams of the week each week. And I wanted to give a shout out to some other teams uh, that you know aren't in the S&P plus top 25 or 30 or whatever, but just deserved a little bit of a shout out. First of all, uh, Purdue, Buffalo, Duke, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee, Temple, Texas Tech, UCLA, and Utah all won their sixth game of the year in their last possible opportunity therefore, and therefore became bowl eligible. Uh, congrats to them. The Duke game was really fun and weird, uh, and they uh, overcame an early deficit against a good was, uh, Wake Forest team. Uh, Middle Tennessee has dealt with some really bad injuries more than um, more than I realized until a couple of weeks ago when I finally do- uh, dove into why they haven't been very good. 
But I wanted to point out the fighting Lance Leipold's there in, in Buffalo. Uh, really nice job by them. It, it's I, I, at some point I want to talk to Leipold about learning how to win again. You know, he he's he famously went whatever one hundred nine and six, I believe, at Wisconsin Whitewater at the D three level. Took on a, a big challenge at Buffalo. Uh, did okay in his first year, and then bottomed out in his second year. It's kind of had a injury situation, a youth movement, uh, and it was really kind of. You know, you lose six games uh, in whatever that was, almost a decade, and then you lose 10, I believe, in your second year at, at Buffalo. That's a really tricky situation, but they've been a nice uh, competitive team throughout the year. Even when they were losing, they weren't losing by much, and it seemed like they might have something going. They beat FAU, first of all. Nobody's done that, I believe, since they did it, uh, but they lost by 10 to Minnesota, which, granted, isn't as impressive now as it maybe seemed at the time, uh, but losing by four at Army, there's nothing, you know, no shame in that, but they lost in that crazy overtime game by three points to Western Michigan. They lost by one to Northern Illinois, by one at Akron, uh, by 10, by a competitive 10 at Miami, Ohio. This was a team that was really close uh, to breaking through, and when the schedule eased up, they beat Bowling Green and Ball State, and then they jumped out to an early lead on Ohio, held on for dear life, got that sixth win. They are a team that could absolutely benefit from um, from the bowl break or getting those extra practices, et cetera, et cetera. Tyree Jackson's a really, really fun quarterback, a really interesting quarterback, big, really big quarterback, 6'7", 245. Uh, they've got a, a, a nice sophomore running back, a nice, you know, a couple of sophomore sophomore and junior receivers that, are, that have done really well this year. They seem to maybe have the pieces in place now um, to, to make a nice little sort of uh, another couple of steps forward under Leipold. And I'm really, I hope that happens. He's the one time I've ever talked to him. He's a really nice guy. Um, and he, he I, I love it when we get a chance to make those thought experiments happen. Like when, you know, Bob Stitt, I want him at a bigger school. And that, that didn't really work out when he went to Montana, but Getting Leipold uh, to move from D3 to FBS was really cool. Craig Bull, obviously, uh, going to Wyoming was really has been really interesting, uh, up and down and up and down and up and down, but interesting. But I'm really happy that Leipold is succeeding. I'm really curious what how much more he can build now that he, he's starting to put some pieces in place. And then the other team, <clears throat> we've talked about him a lot on this show. Um, in one year, Purdue's gone from punchline to bowl, basically. Um, we, you know, it, it became a thing on PAPN to talk about Purdue because Purdue was so helpless and, and hopeless under um, Daryl Hazel, the fact that they've been able to actually start to, to, to you know, find hope and find optimism and win some close games and lose some close games. They're just like Buffalo. They had a series of close losses that seemed to knock them out of bowl contention. They blew a lead at the last possible second against Nebraska. They lost at Rutgers by two. Uh, They had it. They they didn't, it didn't really feel this close, but they did lose by eight points to Wisconsin. They lost by a touchdown to Lamar Jackson and Louisville in the opener. Uh, Seemed like they were running out of chances, but they beat Illinois and they finished the season by winning at Iowa and then returning home and beating a good one of the best non-bowl teams in the country indiana team to to get to that six win mark uh they the they are Buffalo and Purdue are why I love bulls basically, um, you know, to get a reward. It's so hard to just put a, a, a functional football team on the field with the hundreds of moving pieces and the support staff and all the things that just go into pulling off a football game um, to, to win half of those football games is a thing. Uh, I, I understand that that's not how, you know, a lot of people are going to think about it and that's fine. I, I'm, I, I don't mind being in the, 
you know, the idealistic minority on this one, but it's a really hard thing to put a football team together and win half your games. And I'm happy uh, that especially with the resource disadvantages that Purdue has in the Big Ten, uh, for them to be able to do that in Jeff Brom's first year. Jeff Brom's an incredible coach. Um, you know, when, when Missouri was looking like they might be replacing Barry Odom a few months, uh, a few weeks ago, I was I was trying to figure out if they would be willing to pay the buyout to, to get Brom to, to Columbia because I thought that'd be a really, really nice move. Glad for him. I'm glad for Missouri that it didn't happen uh, because they started winning some games too, but I'm really happy for Jeff Brom. Anyway, all right. Now that I've officially passed the 25-minute mark, um, I do – Appreciate you guys listening to this. I know Godfrey. I know Godfrey aches to return, uh, and he will soon. And um, eventually, we'll get to hear. You'll get to hear about what he's doing. It sounded really, really interesting. Um, and uh, you know, Daddy will be home. We'll have the, the everybody will be happy again here pretty soon. But in the meantime, even if he's not back midweek, uh, I've got a really fun guest host lined up. You'll enjoy it. And until then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you will. We'll see what happens with the playoff rankings reveal. It'll be. Uh, I think I know what to expect. Never quite know what to respect, expect other than UCF being fifteenth. So congratulations to to Michigan State or whoever else for hopping them.